Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. I looked at that play. I watched it. I have watched it like 30 times. The only thing I would say that could eliminate all of the doubt and all of the uncertainty is if we had a camera right from the top of the stadium that looks directly down over the outfield wall to see whether or not officially Mookie Betts was into the crowd or whether the crowd was leaning out over that yellow yellow stripe there. But to me, this is pretty clear. And if the, there is doubt, to me, doubt should go to the fans here. If there is doubt about whether or not Mookie Betts uh, would have made the play, remember, this is, it is, you don't have a right in Major League Baseball to be able to go into the crowd and make a catch. Now, you can do it. But the moment you're chasing, for instance, a foul ball and you are reaching into the crowd to try to make a play, the fan has the same right to that foul ball as the player. And so oftentimes what you'll see if a fan is intelligent, this is where Bartman got in trouble, was if the ball is going into the, the stands and you are playing at home, you often see intelligent fans lean out of the way, hey, let me try to do everything I can to let this guy make the catch, right? To let the player get into the crowd and make the catch. He can reach into the crowd and make that catch. But it's not fan interference when a player reaches into the crowd and moves into the space of the fan. And I think that's what we saw with Mookie Betts and the play that he tried to make is he was making such a phenomenal play when he went into the crowd. He was leaping again. If you just look at Mookie Betts on that play, what he had to do to get his glove into proximity of that baseball was a phenomenally athletic play. But I believe he was clearly reaching over the fence and attempting to steal a home run from Altuve to take it away from the, uh, the Houston Astros. 
I don't think there's any doubt. I know Joe West made this call, and it seems like controversy follows Joe West and has for decades. And I know this rule has been implemented and, and, and refined over the years, uh, going all the way back to the Jeffrey Meyer play with the Yankees, where he clearly reached out and took a, basically caught a ball and brought it in for a home run, even though it would have otherwise been caught. This is not that. This is not that scenario at all. I think beyond a shadow of a doubt, that should have been a home run for the Houston Astros. You have instant replay review. I don't know how an instant replay review. You have it established that the tie goes to the runner in baseball, right? Everybody knows that rule. If uh, the ball arrives simultaneously with the, the base runner, then the tie always goes to the base runner. Why would the tie not go to the fan here? Do you agree or disagree with me, Jason Martin? I agree with you. Um, Mookie Betts maybe could have made the play. There's one angle where it looks like his glove was closed and he wasn't going to make the play. I'm not going to say yes or no to that. The one thing about it that continues to kind of baffle me is this seems to be the only place in sports where this can happen because of how close the fans are when you get to the outfield situation. I know it's part of being on the action, but I know you know Kate Upton went on Twitter last night and took a lot because she commented on the situation and people started calling her princess and things like that, and she fought back. But one of the things she says, which is something I've thought for a long time, is if a, she tweets out, so if a player is in the stands, fans are supposed to move over. If those are the rules, MLB shouldn't let fans sit there. They didn't reach over the fence. And I think she's right. Like, is there something we should be talking about in terms of creating an alley of just a couple of feet so that this can't happen? Because this, the problem here is this isn't like a lot of other sports where you have a ton of other opportunities to win the game. Yes, this happened early. But baseball is a game of such rare opportunity when it comes to scoring runs that even though this happened that early, it absolutely could have changed this entire game, meaning it could have changed this entire series and could have changed the World Series as well. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Now, my position is, in just a general perspective, I don't have a problem with the fans being right there on top of the field. I do think that if you wanted to be 100% sure whether or not fan interference was in play, you could have a camera that runs down or is at the yeah. ceiling or whatever that gives you a definite view, much like you have down the goal line. And we talked about this on the show before. One of the frustrating things I think about, for instance, college football replay is, and I think about the Mississippi State-Auburn uh, game a couple of weeks ago, I didn't think that Nick Fitzgerald got in, but we don't have a definitive line oftentimes because there's not as many cameras. The NFL, they have more cameras, so we tend to get better angles. If baseball is 100% co- you know, concerned about this, in areas where you could have a fan interference play, it seems to me, especially in postseason, when they're spending so much money to make sure that they get those games uh, right and have so many extra umpires and everything else out there. Because remember, Joe West did have a better vantage point than you would have typically in a regular season game because there are ex- extra umpires out there. Having said that, why not eliminate any doubt at all and just have a shot that comes straight down? And if Mookie Betts is reaching over the wall, which it appeared to me he was, then he has no more right to the ball than the fan does, and therefore it would have been a home run. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We welcome in a guy that we've had on this show since very much close to the beginning. 
which is now over two years ago. The great John Morosi on Twitter, at John Morosi. Take the H out of his first name if you want to follow him, J-O-N. John, how are you today? Outstanding. Still uh, processing the evening's events in uh, Major League Baseball. All right. Home run, fan interference, <laughs> where do you come down on this? I know you knew, it's not like you're surprised that that's the first thing I have to ask you. No, I, I mean, it's the seminal question in the game right now. Here's Here's my view of it. It looked to me that the contact between Mookie Betts' glove and the fans occurred on the fans' side. If you imagine that imaginary plane uh, going up and down there at, at, the, at the fence, it, it seemed to me that that contact took place on the fans' side of the field as opposed to anyone deliberately reaching over that plane and interfering with, with the catch. Uh, I believe that if the call on the field had been home run, that the replay would have uh, stood on that as well. So that basically it was going to come down to whatever Joe West had said on the field. And uh, in the moment, Joe had it as, a, as, as interference, and he made the call that he made. So I, I, to me, I, I think that it should have been a home run. And if you, if you wind it back to the beginning of the play, but I also understand that once it went to replay, that – while uh, while I believe that 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 the the contact happened on the uh, on the fan side of the of the wall, uh, that understanding the way the replay works, uh, that's that there was probably insufficient evidence for uh, for MLB to overturn it. And I think interestingly, and, and this was pointed out by by Jeff Passett in his column this morning, that the, what would have been a definitive replay was was somewhat obstructed by an yeah. Astros security guard in right field, which uh, circled back to what had happened earlier in the day, where there was the conversation about the Astros employee uh, filming uh, other teams' activities and making sure that there was no subterfuge going on. So so the day began with with an Astros employee uh, uh, next to the dugout, and uh, in many ways it was decided by one who was rather um, just by, by luck uh, not stationed in the right spot there in, in right field to get a clear view of things. Uh, irony upon ironies, and then the reality is now the Red Sox have a commanding lead in this series. Yeah, John, I think Astros manager A.J. Hinch kind of joked about it and said the cameras have not been going our way over the last few few days, to say the least. I, I, I think Jeff may ask you a little bit more about the angles as well, but one thing that I continue to think about, it's so unique and germane to baseball in a way that I'm not sure it should be. Isn't it, isn't there a happy medium here where you can create an alley between the outfield fence and the first row of fan seats where they're actually allowed to sit? Maybe just a foot, maybe 18 inches, just to eliminate this happening. I know it doesn't happen a lot, but the problem, at least the way I view it, is baseball is a game of such limited opportunity that any play is magnified. And even though that happens so early in the game, it's, there's just not as many chances to score in baseball as there are in many other sports. And I just look at it and say, why can't we fix this to where the fan can't interfere and it's clear either way what's happening? Well, that's a fair question. I, I would say this, that, that first of all, I, I think any time that you create a, a, a gap or, or put additional spaces between where the fans are sitting and, and, and the field of play, even if, even if it, there's, there's a floor right there and it's just a matter of creating an aisle, 
Um, I, I think on some level that that does bring up some, some fan safety concerns. Where uh, if there's if there's more space, could you then lose your balance and all all, all of a sudden tumble onto the field of play? Uh, I think that that MLB would be a little wary of doing that. Also, candidly, those are really high-grossing seats uh, that, that you're putting right on top of the field that fans want to sit in for for exciting reasons. Just sort of like we saw last night. Um, I, I so I think that. Ballparks have been constructed this way for a long time, and I, I, I don't see them changing. I think it's a very fair question, but I think given the way that, that ballparks are made nowadays, and, and, and this, I think, is one of the reasons why replay is so essential, and I realize it didn't really help the Astros last night, but every ballpark is so unique in terms of where its boundaries are. Houston probably maybe is the best example of it because you've got that different – the, the, the yellow line is it sort of juts across the outfit in a very sharp way, uh, even up across the, the, the facade in left field, uh, where, it, where balls that look like they go off the wall are actually home runs. So um, the, the job of the umpires has gotten harder and harder as ballparks have, have put in more intricate uh, fences and, and, and outfield structures. It's a very fair question that you ask, but I, I think the reality is uh, we are probably not going to see wholesale changes across the major leagues in, in this area. All right, John. I think last night brought up an interesting point about about umpiring. You know, we had Joe West out there making that call, and you know he's got tenure, right? No one's gonna gonna mess with Joe West. Do you think that that, that some of this call was like that? They're just not gonna overrule the big dog in charge. Well, I, that's it's a it's a fair question to ask, but I, I think probably not. I, I just think the reality is was that the replays were inconclusive. I, I think that would have been the. Um, that probably would have been their outcome no matter what, uh, who was making the original call, whether it was Joe or a, or a rookie umpire. Um, I think that there was maybe initially with, with the replay program a little bit of reluctance to to say your colleague was wrong. I think that there might have been just a, on, on a human level. But that, that, that call is so important, and, and the review lasted so long, several minutes, that, that I think that MLB was certainly doing everything they could to get the call right. And I thought, as as you're looking at it from from left center field, there was that one. If you look at some of the some of the replays that, that you can see on MLB.com, I, I believe there was one which from the camera that was probably on top of the Crawford boxes or in center field, where where it looked to me like like the contact, as I mentioned earlier, was probably over into the into the stands as opposed to being over the field of play, um, based on the, the the sort of the side oblique angle of where where Mookie was and where the fans were. I, th- I think that that contact was happening in, in the crowd, but it wasn't, I can understand if, if MLB said it wasn't totally, totally, uh, completely uh, convincing. So I, I just think that it was a matter of, uh, of, a, of a lack of 100% clarity on, on where it was. From, from my standpoint, I was about 95% sure, just in my, in my own amateur view of things, that, that there was, that it was contact that happened above the wall and, and into the into the fan side of the, of the field, um, and if that's if that's not good enough, it's not good enough. But that's uh, to me a really intriguing part of the decision. But I, I think, in all honesty, MLB dealt with it as forthrightly as they could, and uh, and and the standard is that they've got to be clear and convincing. And there was apparently a a very small lack of clarity on exactly where that contact took place. Before we get to to Clint Kershaw's performance, Game Five tonight, David Price, Justin Verlander, um, David Price, uh, can can he can he give him five solid tonight, or are they just hoping that maybe he gets three good innings and and they can go to their bullpen? Well, it, 
I certainly think David's capable of of uh, of, of going deeper into the game, and and we saw. I actually think his his earlier start in this series was was okay. I think he um, the, the the stuff was lively. I know that his postseason track record is what it is, but that was a big win uh, for the Red Sox. Wasn't he didn't get the victory himself? But uh, he he had pitched well enough in a game that his team won, which I think was a key step for for the Red Sox and a key step for David Price. Uh, so I think certainly that the way things have gone. Um, Asking four to five innings is, is very realistic, and, and I'm sure from David's standpoint, he would love to get to five because then, of course, you can qualify for the win if your team is ahead. I, I think we'd be remiss, too, if, if we didn't mention that a key part of the way the Red Sox played last night, certainly the way the game ended, was, was Benintendi's catch in left field, yes, which yes. Uh, amid all the controversy, and, and certainly, again, the, the controversy is well-placed because if that Altuve home run is a homer, uh, they have, the Astros have two runs in the first inning, in a game in which they scored zero runs and lost by two. So that's the beginning part. The end part was Benintendi, um, and again, Jeff, Jeff Passens column did a great job of illustrating this. He stepped in briefly right before that final pitch, uh, about a step and a half, and that's the difference. I mean, that, that is a dream baseball scenario. As, as controversial as the, as the call was, that is, as a baseball fan, bases loaded, two out, two-run game, bottom of the ninth, best hitter that you've got, uh, a sinking line drive. The, the game's going to end right there, and, and I just I, I love the way that it played out. Uh, just, from, just from the standpoint of the drama, and then of course uh, it just was it was a great catch by Benintendi, and, and the Red Sox had the lead. John Morosi, our guest here on Outkick the coverage. Follow him on Twitter at J O N Morosi. John, how close are we to potentially erasing the Clayton Kershaw postseason curse talk that? always crops up because he's kind of been the dominant pinching name for the last decade, so he takes a lot more flack than maybe other guys would. But what a gem he put on yesterday. It feels like we're getting to the point where that narrative is becoming more prevalent from haters and not even objective baseball types. I would agree. Uh, to me, it, it was with Clayton, I, I think he dispelled that a couple of years ago, uh, really, and probably even Earlier than that, I remember when he he won a game in 2015 to to force the division series back to back to New York. He won a he won a game. Actually, it was back to LA at the time. I think uh, he won a game four in, in New York to to avoid elimination. That's 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 now three years ago. He's had a lot of really good starts that that I think were spoiled by a Dodger bullpen that wasn't good enough. And, and this even goes back to the Mattingly years where where Donnie kept him in the games longer than they probably should have. But I, I think he's had a lot of big moments. He of course won the pennant clincher last year in Chicago. Huge game yesterday, uh, seven innings, one earned. Uh, very impressive. I thought he was in command from the very beginning. So, uh, to me, the, the, the Kershaw postseason narrative is is fundamentally different than, than the Price one. The Price one has some real struggles. I think, I think Clayton has had probably more good starts than bad in the last several years in the playoffs. So, uh, I, I think that's, to me, the book is closed on that. It's just a matter of can he, can he do it in the World Series, uh, which, of course, last year in Game 5 was, was a struggle for him. But uh, that was a huge, huge outing for his team yesterday um, to, to take a 3-2 lead going back to Milwaukee. Uh, and, and what could have been, obviously, his final start as a Dodger at Dodger Stadium, depending on how things play out uh, in, in the, the balance of the, of the series and then, of course, in, into the postseason and the offseason with his uh, opt-out in his contract. So it was a multi-layered start for, for the Dodgers, for Kershaw, and uh, they could not have asked for more than what their ace gave them yesterday. So, uh, and, and of course, right now he'd be lined up to likely pitch. As I'm thinking about the days here in my head, he, he would be on regular rest uh, to start Game One of the World Series uh, should the Dodgers advance. We've got about a minute left here. Last question about uh, this series. 
the Brewers seem to not be able to win without Hayter pitching. Uh, I, I know Council's kind of talked about having to find ways to win without him, but obviously if he throws in Game Six, he'll be he'll probably won't be able to throw in in, in Game Seven. How do the Brewers win this series without having Hayter pitch at all? Well, I, so I think the way they're at right now is, is of course, Hayter has today off, travel day. I, I, I would imagine he has done he has pitched some on on consecutive days, and so I think he'd if he goes two innings in Game Six. He could probably still be good for one inning in Game 7, but maybe not the same level of effectiveness. I, the Brewers, I find their strategy fascinating. Of course, in, in Game 5, they start with Miley and bring in Brandon Woodruff after the first batter of the game, which is uh, unique, uh, and, and certainly trying to take advantage of the Dodgers. Uh, this is a strategy that you take when you don't have um, four aces lined up in your playoff rotation, which, which, by the way, very few teams do. Uh, and and I'm I'm fine with it. I think when you look at the the Dodgers, I believe they've got a a payroll advantage of about three to one over the Brewers. And so if you've got to be imaginative and and creative to 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 stand toe to toe, then that's fine. But that's the the, the the Brewers that believe they've got to play that way to win, and uh, they've had some success. But I think ultimately yesterday was it was a very telling moment where they've got to have a guy come in and pitch one batter and then come back and start Game Six. Uh, there's a lot of strategic elements there for the Brewers that that I think eventually will more than likely catch up with you unless you're able to really pitch extraordinarily well every single game. John, always a pleasure. We will talk to you next week. We should have a World Series matchup. Price versus Verlander ought to be fun tonight. Can't wait. Uh, a couple former teammates there, a couple former Cy Young Award winners. So uh, should be great baseball uh, tonight and then, of course, uh, for the rest of the month. All right, that is John Morosi. Follow him on Twitter at J-O-M Morosi. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. LeBron is not done. LeBron is sort of the story today. I think, do we still have the phone caller or is, or is he gone? All right, Dub is telling me no, he is gone, so he did not wait around. LeBron James playing his first game in a Lakers uniform tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. I've said before, I think the Lakers make the playoffs because they have LeBron. One thing LeBron James does do generally is make everybody around him better. And I do think that some of the guys that you might not know their names yet, you're going to know. I think he's going to make the Brandon Ingrams of the world better. I do think that they're going to be the story. I think he's got what? Yeah, Josh. I think he's got seven games on national television just in the first month of the season like the Lakers are going to be overexposed to another level even from what the Lakers generally are because of just the circumference of LeBron James's impact and his outsized influence on the league but I'm going to be watching like I mean we can sit here and talk about oh LeBron James fatigue but I'm going to be watching LeBron James quite a bit this season where I'm at with the Lakers in terms of just kind of a win-loss total I think this can kind of become a roundabout discussion if you have thoughts 877-996-6369 you can chime in with your thoughts on LeBron but I feel like this is about a 47 win team I don't think they're going to win 50 I think the West almost every team in the West is better than they were a season ago Phoenix won last night Devin Booker had a really nice game Andre uh, DeAndre Ayton had what 18 10 and 6 and he was 8 of 11, so he looked pretty good as well. I think Sacramento is a better team than they have been over the past half decade. The Clippers made themselves better in the offseason. Denver is a very dangerous team. Utah is a dangerous team. Portland is a dangerous team. New Orleans is a dangerous team. All of these teams in the West are going to be tough. One of the things that LeBron had the benefit of 
in the regular seasons in Cleveland and in Miami was that much of the rest of the conference were cakewalks during the regular season. These are going to be dogfights every night for the Lakers. And I'm curious at his age, Jeff, how LeBron holds up if he has to go out there and play to a high level on a night-to-night basis to win regular season games. You know, you mentioned the the seven national TV games, or whatever it was, five early in the season. That, that was my first thought: is how how hard is LeBron going to play in some of these games, considering that you know he's been a guy that's been really good at kind of conserving his right. energy for the playoffs. And look, I think he knows they're not going to make a deep playoff run this year, so maybe. He does try to give it a little bit more uh, more energy early in the season to really sell the Lakers. And, and look, I think his job this year is very clear to what it was last year, and it didn't work as well as, as I think people expected. Was He's got to get people to come join him in Los Angeles. Um, now, the, the the young group of, of Lakers, and, and Danny can speak to this, and Roberto as well, they're, they're, they're a decent young group of Lakers, uh, but they need another veteran next year. And so adding that that's his job is to, is to make playing with the Lakers fun and exciting and try to get another veteran to come join him uh next offseason because I believe the Lakers have room for another max contract yeah they um, do. Uh, this offseason so someone so you know someone to join him um and just make it exciting you know bring Showtime back to Los Angeles make it exciting to, to play for the Lakers again and just get a veteran in and then I think we're rolling next year because like if Durant leaves Golden State which we obviously don't know if he's going to do um, you know that that makes that makes them more uh, more vulnerable they have to play they have to pay Clay Thompson I believe as well so you know the the Warriors might not be the same team next year and if you can improve the Lakers with a veteran um, in, in, in the offseason they're viable again. Yeah, if it's me and and Danny, I know you guys out in L.A., of course, big Lakers honks. I feel like if it's me, based on the tea leaves and just based on guys that it looks like are going to leave, Anthony Davis is the guy that I would want if I'm a Lakers fan Yeah, to join LeBron James next year. I think it's possible Anthony Davis is the second or third best player in the NBA. I think he would fit very well out there I think you can get him away I don't think he wants to stay in New Orleans because they just don't have a winning plan behind him they lost a couple of guys that helped them make that little mild playoff run they had last year I don't feel like Durant is coming there I think if Durant's going anywhere he's probably going to the east I'm not sure exactly where maybe he goes to the Knicks maybe he considers Washington I I don't know exactly the salary cap situation on some of those teams but generally speaking, if it's me and I can only get one guy to join LeBron James in a Lakers jersey next year, it's Anthony Davis. Ooh, you I would, would you'd rather have that. you'd rather have the uh, unibrow uh, more so than like Dame Lillard or let's, yeah. or how about Clay Thompson, another name that's been thrown Anthony out Davis. There. I think I'd rather I think have Anthony Davis. Davis. Yeah. So he's he's like a generational talent, yes. and to have to be able to run the floor at that size, um, to pair with with the, they already have plenty of of guards. They they don't need another. They don't need Dame Lillard. I think Clay Thompson, obviously, w- with with his ability to shoot, would be a great addition to the team. But well, yeah, I they don't Anthony have a Davis, guard like Damian Lillard though on his level. I know, but I I would rather have the the all world talent who's seven feet tall than the point guard because you already you look LeBron can play that position if needed. Like I just can he shoot threes though. Anthony, Anthony Davis, Davis can. I know. Well, can he consistently hit threes? But I don't know if they need that from him. They need. I just think he's. You know, how do you turn down an all-world talent like that over a Dave? But Miller? see, that's just, why Clay would be such a good fit. I think because that's the only thing the Lakers are really truly missing right now is a pure shooter. You need a guy that can score and can get hot and go off. And if LeBron's having an off night, he can kick the ball out to that shooter. 
Does it worry you that Clay might be a different player without all those guys around him? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, and Anthony I mean, Davis doesn't want to have that he's more of a catch. A, he's more of a catch and shoot player. Correct. Who has certainly he benefited? He has certainly benefited from the just the attention that Steph and KD obviously pull away. But one thing that Clay Thompson does have is incredibly quick release with his jumper. So I still think that he would. I think he'd be a great fit. Don't get me wrong. I just look at Anthony Davis and say, man, that guy along with LeBron James makes them such a physical team, and it gives them a size dimension. And the one thing that we're seeing about Anthony Davis is. Carl Anthony Towns hasn't exactly blossomed quite as far as we thought maybe he would. A lot of these guys, these taller guys that are more versatile and can step out, Anthony Davis is still the cream of that crop. Nobody else can do the kinds of things that he can do and alter a game in quite the same way. So as much as I like Clay, and originally I thought, yeah, Clay going to L.A. would make a whole lot of sense, and I still think that it would. If it's me, I'm taking Anthony Davis all day long and twice on Sundays. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. I'm going to say that the Lakers are going to win 55 games this season. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, you're well you're wrong. You're, no, I'm actually, I'm actually right. Turning I'm asking your mic, about now we're turning your mic off. We're turning your nope. mic off now. LeBron's going to win help the Lakers win 55 games. The Dodgers are going to take care of the Brewers in 6. So it's not going to go seven. All right, the, All right. I've got the momentum. Got... The momentum is definitely on the Dodgers' side after that Kershaw performance. I mean, you could be right about that. I've got the Lakers winning forty-seven. The Vegas over/under is forty-eight, which I find intriguing. So I mean, maybe they, maybe I get to forty-eight. Forty-seven is the number I've had in my head pretty much the entire time. I think LeBron has a little something to prove. He's hearing about this old age thing. And that he just went to L.A. because of production and blah, 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 blah. That is why he went there. He has a lot left in the tank. You saw him have one of his best seasons of his career just last season. This guy is far from done, and he's got good players around him. They have really good chemistry. I say that they surprise some of the haters. I just don't think they're that good. I think the West is too stacked. I think on a night-to-night basis, LeBron is going to get fatigued. They're going to lose some games. They're going to make it into the playoffs as a six, seven, or eight seed, and then we'll see what happens once they get into the postseason. Nope. Fourth, I don't seed. think that he's, fourth I don't seed think in he's the out West. of gas. They're going to be fourth, fourth. seed in the, the West. Are you seed. kidding? Nope, I'm not kidding. I and, think that's insane. And yeah, I do live here, and and yes, I am hoping for the best because I'm sick of you know. Look, Laker fans are spoiled. I'll be the first to admit that because we had years and years of winning, but we've also had years and years of losing right now too. So just let me dream a little bit, okay? I mean, you can dream. I just as long as you recognize it as a dream. Fifty-five would be utterly crazy. But if that dream comes true, can you tweet me and say you were right? That's all. Just that one sentence. The month of February for the Lakers is the one that you need to pay attention to. Seven of nine on the road. Five-game road swing through Golden State, Indiana, Boston, Philadelphia, and then they'll beat Atlanta. Then after the All-Star break, they get Houston at home, then New Orleans and Memphis, and then play New Orleans again. That's a tough, tough road. How many wins you got for the Lakers in this last half minute, Jeff? I don't know. I don't care, man. I'm not a. You're a fan. I don't, I don't predict wins. I'm not going to watch the Lakers play till till Christmas. So I, I win enough games to to get a free agent to come there. That's all I care about. Thanks. That's what we want in sports is is opinions and and actual statistics. And you gave us none of those things. 
Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We talked some about Clayton Kershaw there towards the end of the first hour. Jeff, I'll let you go ahead and uh, eat crow as Danny G sports the largest grin in Sherman Oaks right now. Uh, Clayton Kershaw was brilliant yesterday. He was great. And I told Danny this off the air. I said to you guys, I was sitting there and and I was – I think the – Second inning was kind of right as I was about to start my radio show too at 6 p.m. Eastern. So I was I had my iPad, I had my iPad on. I'm watching, the, I'm doing my radio show, and I got my I got my 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 phone, my app open, my Twitter app open. I was ready to just go in. I bet you were Kershaw. And uh, then he struck out Jesus Aguilar, who's been pretty atrocious with 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 runners on base in this. Uh, in this series so far, and then the Dodgers obviously, uh, you know, they, they won the game. Little 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 iffy at the, at the very end um, with uh, with the bullpen, but he um, the re- he well, pitched, well he no no well. no Jeff. The rest of the Dodgers bullpen was actually good. I know there's a lot of talk about the Brewers bullpen. The Dodgers bullpen, their ERA overall is 1.62. Yeah, Madsen unfortunately had a, a, a rough. Uh, he gave up a couple of hits in the run there at the end, but the rest of the bullpen looked nice. And, think, and the big surprise for the yeah. Dodgers has been Pedro Baez because he's obviously been a thorn in the side of all Dodger fans, but he's come into his own the past couple of months as far as he can look good. He's looked good. So if Pedro Baez is pitching well, then the Dodgers are going to be looking good at the end of the series here. Isn't there a concern about, about Jensen still coming off that he hasn't quite been the same since he's been back from his from his little yeah. uh, his month off after the heart the heart issue? So I think his that to me is the concern is that people kind of see like he's just not quite the same guy. Uh, you know, be interesting. They they're gonna have to go to Boston right to to um, for the World Series if they make it if the if the Red Sox win because it goes by record now, right? Yeah, they threw, exactly. They threw out that stupid rule about the the All Star game. game. Yeah, now <laughs> it's now it's by record. I I think the thing with Jansen is that you're now going to pitch him for one inning instead of three remember the postseason last year yeah he got tired yeah. yeah he did and there's no way you can do that now with his health concerns so that's why the setup role is even that much more important the Dodgers have a couple of arms in there that can set things up right now but I would not put Kenley in unless it's just for an inning because of what's going on with his heart and can you imagine this? He's having a procedure during the offseason oh, yeah. where they basically burn off the part of your heart that's causing the, the problem. And this oh, guy's like, sound good. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I'll just do it in the offseason, guys. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm going to play it's, the postseason. And, and he, like, he, took, he, he took like three weeks off and, 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 and came back. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable that, uh, that he's still pitching, um, considering what's – yeah. Now, as far as Kershaw, I, I knew it, too. I, I imagined you, because Roberto and I, we were both in attendance. Yeah. That crowd was rocking. It gotta, was, it was loud. Yeah, I got to give a lot of credit to the Dodger fans. The place filled up entirely by the third inning. It was hard getting in. I mean, I left Burbank at noon for a 2.09 p.m. start, and it was still hard for me to get to the stadium. And I left at noon. And, and the stadium's 15 minutes away from where I live normally. So you can imagine people not having to take the day off from work having to get in through all that traffic to the stadium. Once they announced we were now on the national TV, the towels were waving, the crowd got loud, and the crowd stayed loud even when the Dodgers were trailing. And then when they finally tied it up, the place went nuts, and uh, Puig kind of opened up that lead. The best part of the game was when Clayton Kershaw was hustling around the bases. Yeah, That was the best part because that's what we know about Johnny him. Hustle. <laughs> yes, he really was. But that right there... That epitomizes the guy. He 
plays so hard. And yeah, sometimes his curveball is off. Yesterday it was spectacular, but sometimes it's off. Sometimes, as Jeff pointed out yesterday, his back hurts and he tires out. That was not the case yesterday. It almost seemed like he could have went a complete game yesterday. Right, yeah, but I think really I think impressive. you do. I think you, you. I think they took him out the right point for a couple reasons. One is that we've seen his, you know, historically uh, the third time through the order is tough for him. And, and look, he's pitched great. Get him out now with the lead. And also, if you have to. Bring him back for any reason at all at Game 7. I don't know I don't know how the schedule sets up to even get him an inning or two. If you need him, he's still there, right? Because if you have him pitch an extra inning or throw an extra 30 pitches, maybe he can't come back in a short short rest and throw an inning if you have to in Game 7. So it made sense to take him out there. Uh, no, he, he pitched great yesterday. He looked like you know himself. And the reason why him and David Price don't get the same comparison is because – Clay Kershaw's a Hall of Famer. He's like the best pitcher in the last 10 years. David Price is not that. And that's why David Price doesn't get the grief that, that Kershaw does. Um, plus, a lot of Price's postseason uh, issues are against one team, which is the Yankees. He can't pitch against the Yankees for whatever reason. And so that's why, I think as well, as we've seen Kershaw and it's, it, throughout his career have you know have games like this in the postseason, but also have games where, where he allows a lot of runs. So uh, I, uh, I had to eat my words last night. He pitched great. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that. But there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free 
free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!